Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome to The Spiritual Forum, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. It is a new year. This is the second podcast that I'm putting out for the year. Actually, this is the third podcast I'm putting out for the year. I, I get confused that I already pre-recorded a few. Before we start, I want to say that we're starting the new year off with a lot of changes. I'm migrating this podcast from SoundCloud to Podbean. So going forward, you'll find me on Podbean and every single podcast app. You'll be seeing me showing up a lot more on YouTube. There's just going to be a lot of exciting changes. I also want to say I'm so grateful for the people who donated in December of last year, and I'm going to be giving a shout out to each person who donated to the Spiritual Forum podcast. This is a nonprofit organization, and we really, really appreciate everybody who contributes. And so today I want to give a shout out to Dakota. Dakota decided to be a monthly donor, and I just really appreciate that. You don't have to give a lot, just a little bit. It'll help offset uh, the costs of putting this podcast out, which is a voice of hope, inspiration, and awakening in an ever-changing, somewhat crazy world. So we're here to support your spiritual path. Let me introduce you to my guest now. Barry Vassell is a medical doctor and psychiatrist who travels internationally conducting talks and workshops on relationships and personal growth. Early in his life, Barry left his professional career in psychiatry and his wife, Joyce, left her career in psychiatric nursing, and both of them left to explore a deeper world with amazing teachers, including their three children. Barry and Joyce have been together since 1964 and have co-authored 10 books, including The Shared Heart, To Really Love a Woman, To Really Love a Man, and their just-released book, A Couple of Miracles, One Couple, More Than a Few Miracles. This latest book is a memoir of their 59 years together, and it is full of captivating tales of real-life miracles. Welcome, Barry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you on, and I know we intended for Joyce to be with you today, but I know she had something else of importance that she needed to have taken care of before your trip tomorrow. And I'm so grateful that you were able to to come and, and share your story. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. I'll, I'll start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me just tell for, to the guests who are not familiar with your book. It's a wonderful story of your lives together. And I, I we started before we were going to hit the record button. I said, well, if I tell you say, tell your story. We're going to be having like 369 pages of, of story. So we're going to ask you to kind of succinctly tell an overview of your story before we get into some of the really, really fun stories in your book. So how have you gotten to where you are today and the spiritual path that you and Joyce have been on? Oh my. Okay. Well, you know, we, we have to go through life and, and sometimes the road is very winding, right? You know, for us to start out in the medical field and going to medical school and psychiatry and Joyce with nursing and to find out that 
ah, there's so much deeper. There's so much more to life. You know, there's looking at another person, you know, you can see them as a body or a personality, or you can see them as a soul. And we choose to do that. And, and when you do that, you can really make a difference in people's lives. As you know, as you know, uh. I, I get that that's right where you are too. So we transitioned while well, we met on wonderful teachers. One of them was Ramdas. And Ramdas said, You guys really need to write a book about relationships. And that was our first book, The Shared Heart. And he wrote the forward and he helped us. And from there, we just went off into the work we're doing, which is spirituality, relationship, consciousness. All of it. I always think it's so interesting, these stories of transformation, particularly career transformations, like to go from being a doctor, you know, to now I'm, I'm doing the spiritual and the relationship world. I, I, it's, I, I just find that so fascinating. So many people that I talk to, including myself, have a major career change where we're on one path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was the path that seemed right at the time. And, and then, I don't know about you, but for me, I stayed on mine maybe a little too long. And, and then we kind of pivot. And what I love about that is when we do that, we're really showing the rest of the world, you can too. You're not stuck. You yeah. know, listen to your heart. Listen to how you're being called to be on this planet. And then take action to pivot if that's, what, if that's the right thing for you. Because so yeah. many people get really stuck, don't you think? Absolutely. I have to tell a, a really brief story that's actually very powerful. I stayed in medicine actually too long. And, and I was being called deeply, and so was Joyce, to do the work that we're doing now. But I, I was still practicing medicine. And I had a job at the University of California in Santa Cruz, student health, you know, helping the students with their physical problems. And my heart really wasn't in it, and which is not good as a doctor, right? But my boss called me in one day and he said, I'm going to be doing something that's the hardest thing I've done. I'm firing you. How do you like that? And <laughs> he, said, he said, he read the shared heart and he said, that's what you're supposed to be doing, not medicine. And so I'm doing a favor for you by firing you. But then he said, I wish there was someone who could fire me because uh -huh. my heart isn't in medicine either. He was a musician. Uh -huh. And he said, but I don't have the courage to, to, to fire myself. We cried together and hugged each other. And I left. And one month later, he fell onto the floor and died of a heart attack. And I'll, oh I'll never forget that because it's, yes, we need the courage to follow our heart and follow our path. And he didn't have the courage and, you know, he had oh. to be taken out of his job a different way. I, I think that's so interesting because, I mean, part of it is just this allure of the material world, you know, we're all set up. You, know, you went to medical school, for God's sakes. I, I was an engineer. I worked as an engineer for 20 years. 
Okay. And, I mean, engineering is really hard. It's not quite as extensive as medical school, but I mean, it's a huge investment of your life. And so to go, oh, you know, that's not me anymore. I think we're just so, you know, it's, it's like gravity that kind of pulls us to staying with what we've been doing. And so I think part of it's courage. I think part of it's also knowing and being able to listen to your heart, because I think so many of us are cut off from our heart. So people find themselves unhappy in their lives, unhappy in their careers, but they don't really know what to do. They don't really know where to go. I had no idea what else I could do at the time. <laughs> it took sure. me a long time. Sure. But, but bless his heart. The other thing that I find interesting about that story is, now for you, it was a blessing. A lot of people get fired and they get, I mean, it's like the worst thing that could ever happen to them in their own mind. But if they look again, or maybe as time goes by and they look back, they may find, wow, that was an amazing blessing because it did free me up to do something else. And I couldn't have done that on my own. Yes. So there's another story that comes to mind and it's about, it's from the book too. It's about little ways that we can listen to the inner promptings because, you know, we're, we're all, whether we are intuitive or not, or feel we are into, we are all intuitive by the way, but, but sometimes there's just a little prompting that we get and we hear it, but we ignore it. And an example of this happened Many years ago, I was hiking on the slopes of Mount Shasta, okay? And I was walking down through a meadow, and there's a little stream that goes through the meadow. And as I was walking along, I noticed near the stream on some grass was a man who was lying there. And, you know, I mean, the first thing, because I'm a doctor, I was making sure he was alive. But, you know, I was walking maybe... 20 feet away and and you know he may have been sleeping i don't know he was pretty still there was just this little prompting that said go sit next to him i said that's crazy you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go sit next to him and you know he's gonna think i'm picking up on him or or i'm invading his space or whatever it is right so i i Try to ignore that prompting. Mm -hmm. And I walked a few more steps, but it, it got stronger. And he just said, go sit with him. Just a, a, wasn't a voice, but it was a feeling. And finally, I, I just surrendered to that feeling. And I went, I felt so embarrassed and awkward. I went and I sat right next to his head, like inches away. Right? Who does that? As soon as I sat down, he opened his eyes and he sat up and he looked right into my eyes and he said, I was just lying here planning my suicide and praying that if there's a God, show me some kind of answer or give me some kind of message. And right in that moment, I sat down after his prayer. Had wow. me, we, we talked for a while and I just, you know, I just gave him all my love and, and he just kept thanking me and he kept thanking. He said, now, now I get it. You know, there is a God and prayers are answered. 
and I don't have to kill myself. And we were just hugging and feeling such amazing depth of connection, right? And then I, we said goodbye and I left and that was that. And had I not listened, what, what a tragedy, right? So we never know, you know, the littlest thing to listen to. Yeah, there's a lot in that story. I think that that voice or that, you know, like you said, you didn't hear a voice. I don't hear voices either, right. but you do kind of have a sense. I mean, some yeah. people do hear voices. Some people yeah. see things and all that. And others just have this sense of what is mine to do. And right. that little, <laughs> the ego voice is like, that's dumb. <laughs> mm -hmm. I will look dumb. That's so fascinating so, that the first thing is this judgment of how will I look or what will it seem like? Yeah. But but to push through, that, that takes some courage to push through and mm. to actually respond. But what I love so much about that story is how many opportunities are there to connect with any person, anywhere, at any one time that could be that miracle. You know, yeah. that was a miracle. And, and that, this is what, this is what I love about your book and about your life and about the story you just told, because people think that miracles sometimes are these fantastical things like the skies part and this angel comes down and, yeah. and this being appears. And actually you had a few fantastical stories like that in your book, I think that maybe you yeah. want to talk about that, yeah. but it's not always that way. Yeah. It, 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 this, this opportunity that we have whenever we're in the world with other people, you know, what if we had our like antenna out and we're really like listening to our hearts and going, you know, am I to connect with somebody here today? You know, where is that? And, you know, it's such a different way to approach like being in public and being out in the world than we usually approach it. We are the miracle for other people. Yeah, I know. For example, Sometimes you can just be sitting quietly and you think about a friend or a somebody, a name comes to you, but then you just let it go. And if you could just realize that if a name comes to you, reach out, give a call, text, whatever it is, because you never know, right? You never know when you're going to save a life or make somebody's day. Right. And we're connected on that level. You know, we're connected on all this energetic level that's so far beyond yeah. the, the 3D level that we, we think we're in. So we're always communicating. We're always, you know, sending out messages and receiving messages. And just because we can't see them doesn't mean it's not happening. So I, I think a lot of the spiritual life is just learning how to tune in to yeah. that exteriorly, but also interiorly, like listening to the voice within and, and tuning in there. Yeah. 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 When, we, when we can quiet our minds, we can hear much more clearly. Yeah. When, when we don't quiet our minds, when we don't, you know, the mind makes so much noise. Yeah. And it's always going. So it's harder to hear those, those fine promptings. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I did kind of allude to the fact that your stories do have some of these fantastic <laughs> miracles where people show up in your life that like, like, like your admission to college story is so oh. interesting. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, maybe you want to tell that one or, or maybe another one like that, because 
That, that one kind of blows your mind a little bit, how sometimes these angels show up. Yes, yeah. they do. They do. And that, and you know, I was 18 years old and I was not a great student in high school. And I, I, but I didn't get accepted to any college. And this man shows up at our high school and I get called into the principal's office and he says he represents Hartwick College in Oneonta, New York. I'd never heard of, even Oneonta I'd never heard of. And he takes five minutes to tell me about Hartwick College. And then he pulls a pen out of his pocket and he says, if you'd like to join me, join us next year at Hartwick, go ahead and sign. And I look at the table and there's an application all filled out. Who does that, right? What, what, who fills out an application, personal information, everything from high school records and all of that. And I just, I was holding this pen and I was like, really like, I, I was young, 18. Okay. And I thought, obviously colleges must go around to high schools and find kids who didn't get in and sign them up. So I just said, okay, I signed. And next thing I remember, he was patting me on the back and saying, you'll never regret this decision. And that was it. Never saw or heard from him again. Never found out who it was. Got to Hartwick, went to thank the administration office for recruiting me. And they said, no, we never recruit anybody except star soccer players from around the world because they had a really good soccer team. I didn't play soccer. They had no idea who that was. No idea. And, and I, I, you know, even now it gives me goosebumps, right? To think about that, that, I mean, you know, okay, he could have been a man. He didn't have to be an angel. I kind of think he was an angel, but he could have been a man who was also guided, right? Right. But regardless, what a miracle. I mean, people, people can't believe that that happened. I mean, Hartwick, you know, it was, a, it was a good school, but I needed to be guided there because Joyce was there. Yeah. And within a few months, we met. And... So a lot of this new book, A Couple of Miracles, is it's really about, it is our love story. And we had to go through a lot, a lot of growth and pain and like all couples, right? There's in the past 59 years, it, it hasn't always been easy, but it's been so, so rewarding. And our lives are about relationship. We help people. We we do couples retreats all year long because we believe in the power of relationships. That one of our books is called Light in the Mirror, and it's about using your partner as a mirror, mm -hmm. which is a really courageous thing to do. Anyway, I should stop and let you say something. Yeah, that's fine. I, I think that I, I love that story. It's kind of like a, a wonderful life kind of story where this, <laughs> this, this 
angel person. It doesn't matter if it's a, a, a man or an angel, that the man was an angel. It was just, it's fascinating that those things can happen. So, so that's kind of like that more fantastical miracle kind of thing. The, the thing that's so cool is it's, it, it got you to where you needed to be yep. in order to yeah. be on the life path that yeah. you've been on since then. So it's a very pivotal yeah. moment. And yeah. with my own, I have three grown daughters. I have two married and, and one's engaged. But prior to finding their person, there, there are always questions of, you know, should I have done that? Should I have done that? Did I pick the right university? Should I, did I major in that? But, but once they find their person, it's like every decision that I made or every situation that got me to this point of meeting, you know, my person was the right decision. And there was, there's no more questioning. That's what I think is so interesting about, about all of the things that have to stack up in order for your life to go in the, the trajectory that it went in. And obviously you and Joyce were soulmates, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I have to commend you in your book because your book is pretty raw, I think. And what I mean by that is there's no holds barred. You're not putting a lot of icing on, you know, a sloppy cake. You're talking, when the cake gets sloppy, you're talking about the sloppy cake. <laughs> and and maybe I should tell a little sloppy thing also, if you don't mind. Because, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, talk about pain. Um, I... Even even being married and being together seven years, Joyce used to, she used to come up to me and she'd say, Barry, I really need your love. Don't you need mine? And I would say, no, I don't need your love. I choose to be with you. I was all in my head, right? Not enough in my feelings. And, you know, that would really hurt her, right? But I, I had to, I had to prove to myself that I didn't need Joyce. And I ended up having an affair with her best friend. Okay. And she ended up, I mean, that was way, way too painful for her to stay. And she left. She took our dog too. She left. She ended the marriage. She said, that's it. I can't do this. That you just stepped over the biggest line you could step over. It took that. It took her leaving. And it took, actually, she wouldn't even let me know where she was. And none of her friends would tell me. And I was really on my own. A senior, fourth year medical student. And I was lost. And I went spiraling down into the depths of pain. It took that pain to crack the shell around my heart and for me to finally get, oh, there's a little boy inside me and he really needs love and he needs Joyce. And what a fool I've been, right? But it took that deep, deep soul searching to bring back the relationship. And I wish I could say it was instantly back. No, mm -hmm. it took actually two years of, of painful time before we could really heal. But she got it, you know, Joyce got it that 
I really, I really had transformed. I really knew how much I needed her love. And, and I, of course, I would never, ever step over that line and betray her in any way again. So well, I, I just say I have to commend you for the, like I said, the rawness and the honesty in yeah. that story. Because yeah. I, I, when I was reading that chapter, I was like, wow, you know, you could cover this up. You don't have to tell this story. But you did. And that's courageous. And it was not, it, it is an integral part of your story, though, because like you said, you wouldn't have gone into who you are as a feeling man and find that little boy who needed to be loved. Because you yeah. talked also about how you, I don't know if I have the words right, but I think you, you used pride and arrogance. You used spirituality to mask your pride and arrogance. I thought yeah. that was so interesting because people do do that. They'll yeah. use spirituality to mask pride and arrogance. Like, no, I, I, don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need your love. <laughs> You know that it was it was Ramdas who really busted me. Actually, before Ramdas, it was Leo Biscalia. Okay. Leo, uh, some people will remember. He was very, very well known. He had many books on the New York Times bestseller list. He was called Doctor Love. And, okay. And we were really close to him. He was at USC when I was in medical school, and. He used to come up to me right in my face and he would say, Barry, have you ever noticed when Joyce is sad, it shows on her face. And if she's upset or angry, it shows on her face. And so, and when she's happy, it's very clear. You, on the other hand, are a phony. When you're sad, you smile. When you're angry, you smile. You're phony. He was pretty blunt with me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, wow. I mean, and then Ramdas, you know, he, he used to talk about being phony holy, right? With the pride mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's a big journey, life, right? And the emotions yes. are so important to be true with all of your emotions. We teach vulnerability in every workshop because unless we're really feeling what we're afraid of, what we feel inadequate about, all of the stuff, if we don't feel that, then right, it just, it's like swept under the rug. Yes, yes. So I want to I put that to the side a moment, the idea of, of having to feel the feelings. What, what I first want to comment on is that that whole story of the affair and Joyce leaving and yeah. you're having to go deep into the recesses of uh, your own being and it taking two years for you guys to heal, that's, that's a miracle. So, so miracles show up in, you know, the angel man admission guy who like, who was that who <laughs> changed my life? Sure. Miracles show up in the the voice within who tells you to go sit by that man who is just about to commit suicide but yeah. miracles also show up in this just oh the the difficulty of life and love and relationship and something within you both of you had you 
each keeping at it, keeping devoted to each other or the path or the healing, whatever it was. But that's a lot of, just a lot of tenacity and perseverance and strength. And also, like you say, vulnerability. Yeah. That's a miracle that you could each get there. Yeah. I should share something that it wasn't just me who learned a deep, deep lesson. It was Joyce too. Mm-hmm. Not that she caused me to have an affair. That was me. Okay. But Joyce is part of the relationship that wasn't working was that she was more devoted to me than to herself. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. And after leaving, after I had the affair and she left, she really got that. She realized that she was, she needed to be as devoted, maybe not more, but not less, as devoted to her own self, her own soul, her own heart, her own spirituality. Because she made me bigger than her. And that was a mistake. And I ran with that. Mm-hmm. And she's never made that mistake again. Uh-huh. She, she, I, hope, I hope we get a chance to do this again and you get a chance to meet Joyce because she is a powerhouse. As well, yeah. as, being, as, as well as being the most vulnerable woman I've ever known. Yeah, I think it'd be lovely to have both of you on again. I imagine then after that, when she made the choice and and learned how to devote at least as much to herself, which is like self-love, self-care, I imagine you had a different choice to love then. Yes, and it was so much better because I couldn't get away with anything then. Right, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get away with my way or the highway. Right? I had to learn that her voice really mattered, and her feelings really mattered. So before I make decisions, especially now, any decision that I make, I run it by Joyce. Okay, if, uh-huh. especially if it affects her in any way. And couples need to learn that. You know, I, I'll, I'll go up to her and say, how would you feel about this? Rather than I want to do this, right? How would you feel if we did this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Make so, difference. yeah. So her feelings matter. And then you also learn that your own feelings matter because they had been masked by decades of yes. <laughs> covering yes. up. Yes. So. Yeah. What I love so much about relationships is, you know, the spiritual path is relationships. <laughs> They're not separate. They're not separate. It's not like you go on a mountain and or go into a cave and access spirituality or access God or have this divine. I mean, you can, but then then what? You know, you live your life, you live the spiritual life in relationship, whether that's with your spouse, your significant other, your family of origin, your, your work associates, whatever it is, we're living our life through our relationships. That's it. That's the playground. That's where we learn about ourselves. <laughs> so that's and, why this, important, this topic is so important here. And sometimes it's our children who are our greatest teachers. 
Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have, like you, we have three adult children and they, they have taught us so much, so much. Right. Oh my goodness. Don't they teach us a lot? Oh yeah. Well, it, I'll tell you, it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. I think, I think it gets, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot about being an, a parent of adults and what is that and what is my role and who am I now and who are they now? And, and it's, oh, it's constantly arising and constantly having to reformulate that. So, yeah, so the challenge is always there. So I think that we've talked some about these amazing parts of your relationship, your leaving your medical fields and you're doing your, both of you doing your inner work. I think another really important or interesting part of your book is when you kind of went off on a spiritual journey and encountered all of these different teachers, and you have so many interesting stories to tell there. One of my favorites was, I'm going to get this one wrong, Pierre v Vilayat? Vilayat. Okay. Vilayat. Vilayat. Pierre Vilayat. 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 Pierre Vilayat. So, Okay. All right. And whose, I, whose, I knew I was going to get father, that wrong. Yeah. Whose father, Hazrat Nayat Khan, brought Sufism to America. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're hanging out with some pretty important people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And can I tell a little story about Pierre Vilayat? Yeah. It, does it have to do with the Frenchman or is it another one? Oh, that was- Because I, I, want, I want you to tell the Frenchman story. So at least tell that one too. Well, let, me, let me tell how we met Pierre Vilayat because- Okay. We, again, we were, I, you know, I dropped out of psychiatry basically because I felt this is not what I want to do. And we didn't know what to do. And someone said, there's this spiritual retreat in Chamonix in the Alps, right? <laughs> led by this Sufi master, Pirvalat Khan. We didn't know anything about him. We dropped everything. We went, right? And part of what we were suffering about was that people were constantly criticizing the two of us for being too close, mm. for they, they thought we were too codependent. They thought we were too enmeshed with each other, you know, and they, they wanted us to, you know, there's that quote from Khalil Gibran about standing in your own, not shading each other. I forget the quote, but anyway, we kept getting criticism about our closeness. And we got to this Sufi camp a week before Pierre Valite was going to come. And we thought, surely the Sufis who are all about the heart, they can, they can understand our love. But instead, they were all criticizing us. And they were saying, you guys are way too enmeshed. You know, you're going to hold each other back from your spiritual growth. And so again, we were like not knowing what to do. And so when Pirvalite finally showed up at the camp, he was walking up the hill with some people around him. And, you know, he's this very little guy in these long flowing robes with a long beard. He looks like God, right? He's walking up the hill and, and, all of his students are waiting for him with open arms and really excited to see him. And Joyce and I slink to the back thinking, 
here we go again. He's going to tell us the same message. And so he's greeting people and hugging people. And then his eye catches us in the back, cowering, right? And he lights up and he runs while he walks fast to us. He puts his arms around us and he says these Sufi words, Ishq Allah Mabulila, which means God is love, but God is also the beloved. And then he says, You too are one. Don't ever hide your closeness. Imagine that. How did he know? And he gave us permission for the first time to be as close as we are and not worry about it, to enjoy it. Oh, gosh. Wow. I think it's so, I, it, well, I think it's amazing, but I think it's so interesting that people feel like they have to critique your, your relationship as if your relationship is some sort of, has to look in some sort of ideal for, for themselves. And people are projecting that onto you, like, this is how you guys should be. You're too close. Well, how would they know? How how would they know what's right for you? What's right for your souls, you know? Yeah, and, I know. Yeah. And then fear could see beyond it all. He could see it. People are afraid of really being close and intimate. Because, uh-huh. I mean, I understand that. You know, people are afraid of being hurt. The closer you get to another person, the more your heart is vulnerable and open to being hurt. And yet, to hold back for fear is to miss out on the best part of life, love and connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, yeah, I think we know that the, the deeper you love someone, when circumstances change and that, that loved one is taken from you for some reason, yeah. and, and you know, we all die, so far we all die, you know, somebody's left and somebody's left with that horrible heartbreak. But, you know, why would you give up a whole lifetime of joy that to avoid that heartbreak? And And I think so many people do. So many people do. Do you know, I, I have to be really honest here and share my deepest vulnerability. Mm -hmm. It's Joyce dying before me. Mm -hmm. That's my deepest vulnerability Mm -hmm. because now that I know how deeply I need her love, for her to die with before me, it's really gives me the feeling of being like a lost child mm-hmm. while alone on earth. Even though I also have the divine part and the spiritual part that knows, of course, we'll always be together. You know, if she dies first, she'll stay in touch with me and I'll stay in touch with her. But the human part, the, the part of me that is frail and vulnerable, you know, feels that. Yeah, I know. I have, I have friends and relatives that are in, in that process right now, that grieving yeah. their spouse. And, and, you know, I mean, my, my mother died before my father did, and never in a million years did we ever expect that. We always knew that dad was going to go first. And it's just because of his, his the heart 
disease in his family and that kind of thing. And so, you know, we yeah. just kind of attributed that. But right. my mom died, and I thought my dad was going to go right away, but he didn't. He found something that caused him to want to be alive, and he lived another, you know, eight years. So there, there is something beyond that, too, but it's, it's hard to just talk about. You have to kind of move through it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we're living really in two dimensions. I mean, there's two, two really big parts of us. There, there is the spiritual part, which we understand, right? And we believe, we have faith and we trust, but there is the human part. And often that's connected with the little child, mm -hmm. right? After, we can't ignore that. You know, we can't ignore that. No, we can't. It, it is really important. To, and, you know, we're talking about how sometimes our spirituality can mask our arrogance. You, you are, we can do that and say, well, I, I'm beyond that. You know, we're all spiritual. We're all spiritual. So, of course, I can handle that. Or, of course, I can handle this. And the human doesn't matter. And I, I think what you're saying is so important because yeah. the human aspect of life, the rawness of emotions, the heartbreak, the, the joys, the enormous suffering and sadness, everything that we experience here, all of it, all of that human stuff, it's just, it's so important. We can't rise above that and get more spiritual. It's called spiritual bypass. <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is. And it's a virus. <laughs> It's going around. <laughs> it is. And, and if there's anything we're trying to heal, it's that virus, right? Yeah. yeah. Allow people to, to not just be from here up, right? Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. also feel all of themselves and embrace mm -hmm. every part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Every part. So the, the parts that are just really weak and broken. Yeah. As well as the parts that are just really, you know, we know our amazing parts, but the the weak and broken ones and mm. the I, the vulnerable, the I can't do anything about this. I have to completely trust. And yeah, it's an interesting journey. So do you still want to hear the other story? I need you to tell that story because I think it's so funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, at the same Sufi camp, right, where, where we're all doing mantras and meditating and singing and all the new age fluff, right? Good stuff. Good stuff. So we're up in the, on an Alpine meadow in this, you know, rough place, but there's a cable car that can come up and, and then a, a hike of maybe 20 minutes up and this very drunk, big, French man who didn't speak English, he took the cable car and he wandered into the camp and he started yelling at people and being abusive. And we met that abuse with love, right? We thought, okay, we can, we can love his negativity out of him. So we got around him and we were singing songs to him. And the more we sang, the worse it got and the more abusive he got. And finally, someone ran up the mountain because Pirvalayat was meditating in a cave and got Pirvalayat. And, and we're still trying to bring lightness to his darkness, right? Yes. Pirvalayat came marching down the hill 
And this guy was well over six feet and well over 200 pounds. And Pervolite is maybe five foot seven, maybe 120 pounds. And he walks down, marching very briskly, marches right up to this guy, grabs him by the collar or by his clothes and turns him around and marches him. And he, he says a few really uh, strong words in French and just pulls him down the hill. And the, and the man becomes like a little kitten and just follows along, you know, because Pervolite, I mean, you know, he could have, he could have blown on Pervolite and knocked him over, but the force of his being not, you know, he was meeting negativity with strength. And, and after he ushered him down and, and he came back and he said to us, when will you learn how to say no? When will you learn? Because we were practicing, it's called the Sufi Zikr, La ilaha il Allahu. And it starts with the word la, which means no. It's negating all that's false and then affirming what's true. And he said, you have to start with saying no. And he was really strong with us and such a powerful lesson. If we can't say no powerfully in our lives, we can't really say yes. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I, I like just, that story. I love that story because on multiple dimensions, one is this well, we, we got to all be spiritual. <laughs> we got to all be spiritual. We can chant and we can meditate and we can love and open our hearts. And, and, and there's also kind of an element of we can fix this guy. Like there's something wrong with him that we can fix. There's kind of a little bit, again, a little bit of arrogance there that, you know, we have something that we can kind of bestow upon him but, or we have to behave in a certain way. And, oh gosh, I have been there so many times in different situations where I feel like, Somebody's being like vile to me. It was early in my ministry. And I thought my job was to just love. My job was to accept. My yeah. job was to try to be kind back and yeah. all of this. And it was a ridiculous. I mean, it, it was no antidote to what was coming at me. And it took me a long time to learn also, you know, yep. boundaries oh, are important. <laughs> yeah. And, and relationship teaches that. Maybe, maybe relationships are the best teachers of learning how to say no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, people show up in our lives and sometimes they show up like this Frenchman shows up as an opportunity for all of you guys to ex exert the no. Mm -hmm. and like, thank you, Frenchman, for coming into our lives and giving exactly. us the opportunity to say no. We didn't exactly. take that opportunity, but he's serving you in that way. And I think our relationships do that sometimes too, when they don't show up the way we want them to, and this person's being irritating or are, are they being dominating. And it's just an opportunity for us to exercise that muscle yeah. and say, you know, no, yeah. you know, like Joyce said to you. <laughs> exactly. If What would it have been like had, you know, I mean, of course, I had this affair with her best friend. I told her right away, okay, that was good. 
But what would have been like if she would have said, I will still love you and I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to love you even more. Yeah. You know how, how bad that would have been, right? That, yeah. But you would she, never have taken your journey. No, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. But she said no. She said no in the clearest way she could, leaving. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two great stories about saying no and having really clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Where else should we go in this marvelous yeah. time? I see. We, we probably have about five or 10 minutes and you could tell another story, but I'm also kind of curious, what is your message to people? I know you and Joyce do these workshops with couples and you've talked about vulnerability. We've talked about a lot of different spiritual practices, but you know, if, if you're in an elevator with somebody and they say, you know, who's Barry about, you know, what? What is your general message to the world? I think it's really one word, love, oh. the power of love, that we're really here on earth to love and, and to help each other to love more and to give love more and to receive love more. That's basically it. You That's know? I mean, what we we're have, here for. I know. I mean, we have this nonprofit organization, the Shared Heart Foundation, which, by the way, people could find us, and and there's a lot on there. We we write an inspiring message every once a month, and we we do a weekly ten to fifteen minute inspirational video that's free to anybody if you want on sharedheart.org. But but the the purpose, right, or the what is it called? The whatever it is, it's. Ours is changing the world one heart at a time. A mission, like your mission, a vision statement. Mission statement. Changing the world one heart at a time. Okay, we don't need to reach thousands of people. We can, like I said earlier, we if we hear, think of a friend, call him, call the friend, call her, and just express your love and receive their love. That changes the world. Yeah, I think small acts of kindness, we only have control of our own selves. So when you say like change the world, you know, and I know, we cannot impose love on the world. We can't say, okay, everybody, you've got to love. Everybody just learn how to love. This world would be better if everybody just loved. (laughs) You can't do that. So the only thing you can do is really learn how to be love, to love yourself, and to extend that love to others. And yeah. when we're doing that, then then the net effect, I think, is changing the world. Yeah. Do you agree with that? You know, because I think there's yeah. another thing where I've got to go change it, where there's an energy that's there's something wrong with it. But when it comes just from the natural, I I am naturally see I, I believe that I believe that God is love and I believe that we are image and likeness, that we have that divine spark with us, that we are naturally love. Yeah. And, you know, when we're not doing that, we're not being that, we're just a little off. We're off kilter. Of course, the most important message, it's to connect with something bigger than yourself, uh, right? It's to connect with the source, whether you yeah. call it God or universal being or whatever, light whatever. or yeah. divine love. It's taking the time. And we do this, of course, every morning, Joyce and I sit and we just connect with 
what is the deepest place, what is the highest place, you know, which is spirit. Yes. From there, then we can give more love to each other, right? So that's, that's a beautiful practice. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful practice that you do together. For how long have you been in that practice together? Oh, about 50 years. That's pretty good. <laughs> ever, ever since we first learned transcendental meditation in 1970. So, right, that's, that's 53 years or 54 wow. years. But yes, our, I, our, our, our practice is every single morning we'll sit side by side, not looking at each other, and we have this inner time to be with God, to be with spirit, to be with our own souls, sometimes just 10 or 15 minutes. But then after that, we face each other and we hold hands. We, we often touch our heads together and we speak out loud prayer from the heart, giving thanks, asking for what we need, which typically is to keep being of service in this world. And that's the most important part of our day. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I think your message of love is wonderful. And, but I think that spiritual practice that you just described yeah. with your loved one is something that I hope everybody who's listening can, can take into their lives in some way. And I, I know that not all partners are on the same path together. And I'm guessing that in your workshops, that perhaps one of the outcomes is people do kind of get on the same path, or maybe they don't. Um, we, we just finished a workshop at one of our favorite places, Esalen and Big Sur. Okay. Uh -huh. We had 25 couples and most of the couples don't have a spiritual practice together, but, and, and really don't even want that. In, and they don't, they don't realize that that's the most important thing in life. But by the end of the weekend, we have them join together and we have them just feel a connection with the higher power. And every one of them does. And it's the process of going through the vulnerability and all of the things they do in the weekend that brings them to that point where they're ready for the spiritual connection. And that's the most important part. That's even amazing. Though, even though they, you know, they have, like Joyce and I, we're different. We have our own spiritual practices, but we are able to join together and share something really deep together, which is our love for the divine. Well, I'm so happy you said that. And I just think that you've given our listeners so much to take into their lives. And so I do just have another minute or two, and I would like for you to share whatever you want to about your contact information. I'll have it on the, the okay. podcast page, but also if there's something that I missed that you wanted to say that I didn't get a chance to ask you, I'll, I'll give you the last minute or two. Okay. Well, this new book, A Couple of Miracles, One Couple, More Than a Few Miracles, is filled with a lot of miracles, but really the overall message of the book is about the power of spirituality. And we don't come out really loudly with that, but
but it's in every story and every miracle. So to read this book is it's really to have a deeper understanding of the higher power and higher love. And yeah, I mean, for people to connect with us on our website, sharedheart.org. And, you know, we will be happy to share these weekly videos that we make. And do you have any more couples workshops coming up? We all around, all, all year long is all in all our All year way. long. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Barry, thank you so much for joining me and just authentically sharing your life. And your book is, it's so fun. And it's also very, very just heartening. You know, it's definitely written from, from the heart and you can really tell. Yeah. 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 So I really appreciate your being with me. Thank you, Carolyn. I'm looking forward to being with you with Joyce too. Yes. We, we, will, we will meet again. We will okay. meet again. Great. So I really appreciate our listeners. I know you got a lot of good spiritual nuggets in this one. And until next time, I look forward to being with you all. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.